The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about diversity in the White House. Is racism dead? Now that America has its first black president, have we stopped being racist? Or is this the ultimate in political correctness? And what about the recent news about Obama's gaffes? Uh, first of all, calling himself, uh, describing himself as someone who bowls like someone in the Special Olympics. And then more recently, um, giving as an excuse for the reason why they got a purebred dog instead of a rescue dog, as he had promised everyone. Uh, he called himself a mutt, something like, you know, well, I wouldn't have anything against um, dogs from the pounds because I'm a mutt, words to that effect. Um, we will find out what all of these thorny issues mean <laughs> from the International Authority on Diversity, Dr. Maura Cullen, and she is um, the author of a new book, called 35 Dumb Things Well-Intentioned People Say, Surprising Things We Say That Widen the Diversity Gap. Welcome to the show, Maura. Hey, thanks a bunch, Carol. It's great to be here. Um, well, let's talk about, since Obama is in the news with his, uh, I mean, these would be your, your fabulous book that I read. <laughs> um, I actually could, you know, it's so funny. You've, I don't know if, if you've heard this from people, but, well, probably, obviously, the people who ask you to speak don't think this, but, you know, sometimes when you hear the word, oh, diversity, oh, God, you know, that's something boring that we all have to learn to be politically correct, and oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you, your book makes it really fun and um, makes made me think about things. Um, you know, it is it, the, the dumb things that well-intentioned people say. It's not, you know, the 35 things that bigots say. Um, and and uh, because they don't care that it's a change. But it, it's really being more sensitive. And, and, and yet the fine line, and we'll talk about this, um, this fine line, because I'm really anti-PC, you know, I, I have had political correctness up to here. <laughs> but, yeah, so there's, there's this, you know, there are all these sort of negatives that I'm sure you have to overcome when, um, when you start talking. <laughs> well, first of all, um, I love how you said about, you know, it's, it's a 35 thing well-intended people say because I believe in my heart of hearts, Carol, that most of us get up every morning 
trying to do the best we can. We don't get up thinking, oh, who can I take down today with me? You know, we get up every day doing the best we can, um, although some days our best isn't really good enough, but, but we get up every yeah. day and we do the best we can. And sometimes we mess up. We say or do things that we didn't intend to hurt anyone, but just because you don't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And so what I really come from, you know, when, when people say, you know, I get introduced as a diversity speaker, it was like, you know, just give everyone, you know, uh, like they'd have a better time at the dentist. Kind yes, of. exactly. Um, <laughs> Here's somebody I who's going to come and people... tell us what to do. You know, tell us what we're doing is wrong. We're all insensitive and, and what we should do and, and sort of um, close us down. Well, who am I to judge? Okay, even even when I wrote these 35 dumb things, I had to stop myself because mm-hmm. I could do more. Well, I didn't have to do any research for this because mm-hmm. I have said and done most of these things. So I come from a place of not judging but kind of, look it, I've screwed up this way. Here's my example. Learn from it or not, it's all good. Um, but I think sometimes people confuse it with being PC and and certainly, you know, the whole idea around being politically correct, and, and we really need to remember there's PC on both sides of the aisle, the right and the left. Because I could tell you as much as what Ted Kennedy's going to say than Rush Limbaugh's. <laughs> you know, but we only think of it as the left-leaning. But, but let's put that aside for a second. Some people would consider me PC. Why? Because if I know there are things that I might say that may cause harm to somebody, I'm simply not going to say them. And if that means I'm PC, then I'm okay with being PC. I mean, and and I tell, I work a lot with college students, and I tell them, listen, we're all told to say please and thank you in our lives, right? Now, is that PC? No, it's just good manners, right? It's polite. And I say, I say to them, you're not going to go into a job interview and drop the F-bomb. <laughs> you're not going to do it. Why? Because it's not going to serve you. You know, and ultimately, please and thank you helps you get to what you want. And the same is true sometimes with not saying these, these things that don't serve you. So for me, it kind of makes sense. Yes, it's sort of greasing the, the wheels of, of interaction. That when you, you know, it's just, um, it makes everything go smoother. You are able to sort of understand it a little better when you think about how you feel when someone says please or thank you to you. And it's sort of, yes, it sort of smooths things around. Well, I wanted to start with asking you how did you, this is not like uh, you wake up when you're eight years old and say, I want to be <laughs> the foremost authority in diversity. How did you get into this? Um, I fell into it. And, and you know, uh, when I was, I, I worked at the University of Massachusetts for a number of years in residence life, which means that I took all care of the kids, the kids, the students in the residence hall. And, um, and then I, I went to school at UMass, my doctorate in social justice and diversity education. And what I found out was, I really wanted to do the right thing, and I was there learning. But ultimately, you know, I'd put my big old foot in my mouth, and some of my classmates would would catch me screwing up, which on the upside made me more sensitive. 
But on the downside, it really not only humbled me, but sometimes embarrassed me. And so I, I was thinking, how can we help people improve themselves and become more passionate and compassionate without making them feel shame? And so that's really where I come from in my, in my work is this isn't about putting people down and it's not about making one group better than another. It's trying to figure out how can we bring the best out in one another. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but going back even a little further, I mean, you know, as a psychiatrist, I like to go back as far as possible. <laughs> in, in the like womb, a, Carol. Um, what made you, you know, actually... Um, Majoring or getting a doctorate in diversity is really something, I mean, when was the first program in diversity? When could you first get a credential like that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's relatively recent in, in looking at the history of education. So, oh, absolutely. So what made you um, go in that direction to begin with? Well, I think a big, big part of it has to do with my experience as a lesbian because you know, there was, when you see hate directed towards you, um, and I've had people spit on me, um, damage my homes and my property, my cars. I've received two death threats in the mail. Hmm. Um, then you start to, to become a little more sensitive. And yes. what happens is you just don't become sensitive of how people hurt you. But hopefully the lesson is is how I hurt others as well. Mm. Um, and so I became a much more compassionate person. Does that make sense? And so much of it was directed at me. But then I looked inward and say, you know what? I do it too. I just do it in different ways. Hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, that, and that, of course, gives you more credibility when you... You know, you're not just sort of um, in an ivory tower talking about this. You can talk about it from firsthand experience. Well, why don't we, I guess we can go back to Obama as, an, as examples of some of the things that you talk about in your book, um, some of the ways in which or some of the dumb things people say. Um, why don't you, kind of like you do in the book, why don't you set, before you start talking about the, the dumb things, um, why don't you sort of set the stage with um, some of the, what you call core concepts, some of the things that, that really come into play with all of the dumb things? Well, um, the concepts that I talk about, and, and I'm not exaggerating here, have really shifted and almost changed the quality of my interaction, and, and, and amazingly quickly as well. And one thing that I really want people to understand, because this is the kind of, like, if you get this, you get a whole bunch of it. And it's called this notion of um, intent versus impact. Because very often, like, let's say somebody's telling a joke, right, and then somebody gets hurt and somebody says, well, you know, they didn't mean anything by it. Well, just because they didn't mean anything by it doesn't mean it still doesn't hurt. And the example I give in the book is, let's say, Carol, that, that I accidentally stepped on your foot. And you might say what? Um, oh, perfect, because it hurts. <laughs> you a little slow on the uptake there, weren't you? Well, yes. I, I might say, well, I guess it would depend on, yeah, uh, on, on how much it hurt or, or um, 
or whether I was trying to, whether I cared more about not hurting your feelings. Ah, well, that's a whole other path we can go down, but just for the (laughs) sake of illustration. So I step on your foot, you say out, and I say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't intend or I didn't mean to hurt you. Does that mean your foot doesn't hurt? Right, no. No, your foot still hurts even if I didn't mean to. So let's say then, later on, after we're done with our call, um, you you leave your room and um, somebody happens to slam the door on that same foot of yours. So now it's been stepped on once, been slammed on, now it hurts a little more. Then later on, somebody hands you a can of soda and it falls on that foot. Boom! Third time in a day. You're going out of your mind. (laughs) But you don't want to flip out, so you take all that hurt, that pain and that frustration, and you just, you know, keep it keep it in. Have you ever done anything like that? Right, right. Right, and it's kind of like tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And then then you get home, and your your maid or your friend or whoever um, hands you a napkin, and that napkin falls on that same foot. Kaboom. Now you're out of your mind. You're like, what's wrong with you? Can't you see I have feet? Why do I have to keep dropping stuff on my feet? Now, if you're the person who dropped the napkin, you're thinking, you know, freak. Carol's a freak. You know? <laughs> it was only a napkin, right? Yeah, exactly. It could not have hurt you. But if they had seen a video of your whole entire day, they would be more compassionate. Yeah. And that's what happens in real life, is very often we only see a snapshot of an experience with somebody. And, and, and we forget that they have an entire video and you may have stepped into. So when somebody says, tells a joke or uses a certain word, it may be like that napkin. Yes, and I need to stop that napkin in mid-flight right now because we have to take a break and we'll come back to it. You got it. <laughs> My guest today is Dr. Mara Cullen. She's the author of 35 Dumb Things Well-Intentioned People Say. And we will be back with diversity in the White House and is racism dead. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Keeping families together whole and healthy is sometimes a serious challenge to parents. And when there's a crisis, where do you turn for help? Right here, The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman, an open and frank forum covering both legal and social issues surrounding our kids. Tune in for The Parents Hour with Dr. Arlene Kerman every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Radio Network. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... 
Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Dr. Mara Cullen. She is the author of 35 Dumb Things Well-Intended People Say, Surprising Things We Say That Widen the Diversity Gap. And um, before the break, you were laying some groundwork for us as far as uh, the example of, of the foot, how even the, at, at the end of the day, after lo- looking at this um, uh, if one could look at a videotape of the whole day, you would see that it was one thing on top of another thing on top of the other thing, so that the final thing um, that someone's, well, the final injury uh, to one's foot at the end of the day doesn't have to be so major. And that's how when people, um, I think where you were going was that when uh, people say something that's insensitive but doesn't seem super insensitive to them, they get shocked at the reaction when people get offended. Absolutely, you know, and because then people, you know, they come back with, I didn't mean to hurt you or, you know, lighten up. It didn't, couldn't hurt that much. And, and I think what we fail to recognize is that, you know, all we need to do sometimes is just to say we're sorry. You know, we didn't mean to hurt you because what happens is this. Okay, so you have... You know, people say, tell a joke or use a word that people don't like, and maybe somebody goes kaboom. And if we can begin to understand that, you know what, this probably isn't the first time this has happened. Now, the illustration with the foot is that was the day in the life of your foot. Now imagine a lifetime of feeling stepped on, so to speak, and things Mm -hmm. just keep piling up. And a thing called that I call the pile-on principle, and then... P-O-P, pylon principle, and you go pop. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just you can't take anymore. The other, um, what I think is critical um, thing to understand, one of the concepts is this notion of explain-aways. 
Now, Carol, have you have you ever gone card shopping? Yes. Okay. So, as a woman, and I know this catch you off guard a little, but as a woman, how do you experience going card shopping? Well, it's a uh, you kind of anticipate um, being cheated. You know, <laughs> being people. Men thinking who are mainly male car salesmen um, think, aha, you know, then they think of ways that they can scam you because you don't know what you're doing because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, and the people who are in the auto industry, you know, pay attention here, especially if you're a salesman. Um, it's, that's the case for most women. They feel like second-class citizens. But anyway, so let's say for a minute that... Um, I go into a car a car dealership, okay? And if you've ever gone car shopping, as soon as you come onto that lot, it's like the invisible fence. It's like, what? What? You know. The invisible the customer way? approaching. And I remember one day, um, I, I wanted to get a new car, so I had done a lot of research. You know, I went online, and then I decided to go midweek, midday, so there wouldn't be a lot of other customers. So mm-hmm. I get to this lot. And in the um, the showroom window, I see these three what I presume to be salesmen uh, drinking coffee in their little white non-green styrofoam cups. And um, <laughs> so I got out of the car, and usually, you know, they come in in a few minutes, and nobody came, and like ten minutes has gone by, and I can still see the three of them in the um, in the showroom. So now I'm getting a little mm, because keep in mind. This isn't the first time that I've bought a car. So now the temperature's starting to rise. So 15 minutes, and I, I'm like beside myself. So I walk in to the um, showroom, and the three men, no kidding, they turned, looked at me, and then they turned back into their conversation. Mm. So now I'm like to the moon. So I go up to them in my own New England charm, mm-hmm. and I say, Excuse me, can anyone here help me? <laughs> Which, really, I was saying, why don't you all go to hell? Because <laughs> right. that's how I was feeling. Right. Because I thought I was getting that treated that way because I was a woman. Now, is that possible? Absolutely. But are there other ways to explain those men's behavior? When I ask an audience this, they always say something like, well, yeah, you know, they could have been on break. You know, yeah. they, they could be discussing, you know, one of their one of them's going through a divorce, and so it's really important conversation, or, or maybe they don't even work there at all. And, <laughs> and any of those are plausible, but so is mine. And so what sometimes people do is they try to explain away what might be racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever and find another reason why it isn't. And in doing that, all it does is adds another stomping on that foot. Does that make sense? Yes. So you mean if if you were to tell that story and then other people say, oh, well, they weren't really acting that way towards you because you were a woman, it was all these other different things. Yes. Yes. Then I get stepped. I feel stepped on even more. Yes, because they're not acknowledging that that these kinds of things can happen. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like what's happening right now. All right, we have our first black president, um, biracial president, and 
a lot of people, particularly white folks, are explaining away racism. Like, see, racism doesn't exist anymore because we've got a black, black president in the Oval Office. See, it's all done. Yeah. And, and it's that, that's so maddening to so many people. Because what? What were we a racist country the day before the election, but then afterwards, oh, it's all taken care of? I mean, that's ludicrous. Well, yes. Um, are you finding also that, I mean, that some people are, um, you know, that there's a, um, what do you call it, a, like a, a backlash. Um, there are some people who, you know, who are not happy. I mean, of course, the um, security uh, before the election, and I'm sure now as well, is really beefed up because there are people who are not happy about the results of the election and having a black president. And that would be called racism? Yes. No. <laughs> um, I can remember at the at the starting point when, when everyone was, um, all the presidential candidates were throwing their hats in the um, in the ring, and and John Edwards was on the copy uh, on the cover of Esquire magazine, mm-hmm. and it had a big picture of him. And then the headline was, "Can a white man still be president?" Mm. Mm. And I took that magazine and I like whipped it across the room, like, "Are you kidding me? Really? I mean, well, gosh, there's no historical precedent for that one, <laughs> you know? I mean, and so then all of a sudden." You know, the, you know the the poor white guy is out of a job, and the rest of us have to be frightened. Is the the kind of thinking behind it? Yes, yes, that's right. You know, I mean that, and that is, isn't that what you found? That in fact, fear is a, behind a lot of what um, these dumb things, these insensitive things, this um, racism, or all all the other sexism, all the other isms. Um, is about or about yeah it's fear that it's it's fear that somebody's going to take something that i have away from me right it's kind of like this whole thing around equal rights okay so now the big brouhaha's around gay folks having marriage you know, yeah able to be legally, legally married, married which we won some big big fights this this last couple of weeks with iowa and vermont but, um, yeah, so now we're up to four. Ooh. Um, but anyways, excuse my sarcasm. <laughs> very good. But the idea uh. is this, that some people, and, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, there's clearly um, two divided camps in this country around this issue. And that's not to say that um, folks who don't agree that gay folks should be married, you know, it doesn't mean that they're bad people. They just have a different perspective than the one that I happen to hold. However, this thing about civil rights, it's not like we only have X amount of rights to give out and then we're, we're empty. You know, like everyone can have the same number of civil rights. All of us can have equal rights. Yes, but it does come back to fear because it's fear that if... Um, gay marriages are allowed in in my state. You know, and each person is saying for their own state, or in or in more and more states 
that then this will become more of a trend. And then what will become of the concept of um, a man and a woman, you know, being married and having children, the nuclear family, the traditional nuclear family. I mean, that's the fear. But, but how real is the nuclear, traditional, leave-it-to-beaver kind of family now? It's not. Most people do not come. Well, I shouldn't There is a whole lot of people who do not come from that traditional two-parent, you know, never been divorced, have our kids kind of Yes, yes. And the, the rate is 50% divorce. Yes. How can gay folks screw it up any more than straight folks have? <laughs> well, we'll come back to that after the break. <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Mara Cullen. She, again, is the author of the new book, 35 Dumb Things Well-Intended People Say, Surprising Things We Say That Widen the Diversity Gap. And we'll come back to these dumb things (laughs) that your host is likely to say. (laughs) After the break, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. 
Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Here with my guest, Dr. Mara Cullen. She's the author of 35 Dumb Things Well-Intended People Say. And um, we're talking about some of these dumb things. Um, we were actually we were talking about in particular before the break about um, the controversy about gay rights getting uh, the right to to marry legal to legally be married in more and more states and I was um, being devil's advocate and talking about um, the fear that a lot of people have. It's not I don't think it's so much about that there's a limit on rights or or a limit on Civil rights, you know, it's not so much about, I mean, because, because, um, heterosexual people can marry, so it's not so much that, uh, gay people will take away that there's only a certain mm-hmm. number of marriages allowed in a state, mm-hmm. but I think it is, um, a fear of, of things changing. You know, yes, as you were mentioning, there aren't many leave it to beaver families, and, um, there are a lot of divorces, and, um, and yes, gay people can't screw it up anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, I see, you know that I, one of the areas that I have expertise and do a lot of talking and writing and so on is in relationships with my book, Bad Boys, mm-hmm. and my current book that I'm working on, Bad Girls. And what I've seen is that um, the reason why people... I, I've seen patients and so on, and it, that that these the more with each generation of divorced um, parents, that the children of these divorced parents are 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 less able to have successful relationships because they have been really hurt by um, the the disintegration of their families. I mean, typically, for example, it's the, the father who will have found another woman and leave the mother and then not really have much to do, especially with a daughter, you know. Um, and and that really scars her for life. I mean, that's why we're having all this women, well, not even women, young girls, teenage girls putting up uh, almost pornographic photos on MySpace and so on. I mean, I don't mean to get off the topic too much, but I'm just saying, I guess, that that there is sort of a, a, a wish to go back to um, days when at least people seemed like, and it wasn't even true then, really, but um, when people seemed like they were living in a um, father-knows-best kind of world, leave-it-to-beaver kind of world. Well... The one thing I know is you can't change change. You're not going to stop that train. And you can either get on that train and, and, and make that ride, or you, as much as you try to stop that train and get out yeah. in front of it, it's going gonna, it, gonna to kill you. And how it shows up sometimes is kind of what you were referring to with the kids is... And, and one of the highest rates of suicide amongst any one group is gay and lesbian. Yes. And so 
folks who, parents, literally, um, who either can't get their mind around it or really think their kid's going to hell and and try to get the kid into electric shock therapy, on yeah. and on. Um, to straighten them out. Yeah, it's, yeah, pun intended, I'm right. sure. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to lose your kid one way or another if you don't get on that chain, train because either you'll lose them because they'll kill themselves or you'll lose them because the only way they can fully become who they are is to break their ties with you. Mm. And so you have a choice to make. You can either have relationships with the people you love and accept people. You know, the whole notion of unconditional love, Carol. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I talk to folks, it is the one thing I wish for them is that if they haven't already known what it's like to be loved unconditionally, that I hope they do that soon. But the deal is this, is once you get it, you have to give it. And you have to contaminate as many people with it as you can because it literally not only can change lives, it can save lives. Yes. And so there are a lot of things that cause us discomfort. And for so, for so some people, they may experience discomfort because I'm a lesbian. For me, I may experience some discomfort because someone may be um, a staunch Christian who believes um, I should go to hell. You know, that would cause me some discomfort. But in the end, we both have to figure this out because neither of us are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So how we respond to one another is everything. And actually, that's one of the, um, probably the last concept I'll, I'll share, which is an acronym I came up with, B-A-R, BAR. It, when, when conversations start to take a, a downward spiral and become uncomfortable, there's three things I encourage people to think about. The first is B, breathe. You know, breathing is one of the most underutilized things that we can do. You know, breathing is wonderful. And it calms us and it centers us. The second thing I want people to do is to acknowledge what the other person is saying. And in order to acknowledge it doesn't mean we have to agree with it. That's a huge distinction. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is I want you then to respond. But what happens is we usually do that process in reverse. So yes. instead of responding, we react. And then instead of acknowledging, we attack. And then we breathe. <laughs> and so that's what keeps us all divided, is we have to find, you know, if you take a deep breath, because we've all had the situation where, you know, somebody was saying something that was getting us all riled up, and then, boom, we just said something out of reaction. And as soon as the words left our yeah. mouth, we want to get them back, but you can't. And so what that deep breathing does, it buys you like that extra two seconds that you need to form a cohesive thought because the difference between respond and react is thought. And that literally could save you a job, it could save the relationship. That one moment could yes. make all the difference. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the 35. Uh, what's your favorite one? Oh, no. Well, 
the most common one yeah. is um, when people say, well, some of my best friends are, and you can fill in the blank, you know, black or Asian or gay or Jewish or whatever. Um, that one is definitely number one on the list, you know, ding, ding, ding. Um, and it's easy. The intention is clear. It's because I have some friends, you know, that I have some kind of um, experience. And so, but the impact it has on on the person it it is being said to is okay. So you so you know some other lesbians. So what does that mean? You've seen one. You've seen them all. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it can it can be a little agitating to the person on the receiving end of it. And even like Joe Biden, when he was then um, presidential candidate running against then presidential candidate Barack Obama. I remember him saying, and he caught some heat for this, um, and it's one of the 35 dumb things, is he referred to um, President Obama as being articulate. Uh-huh. And uh, he caught some heat for that, and it's like, well, I can remember people saying, why? What's wrong with that? Because on face value, absolutely, it's a compliment. Who wouldn't want to, to be said to be articulate? However... For many people of color, and this doesn't mean that President Obama was offended by it, but just because one person isn't doesn't mean it doesn't impact a whole group of people. And the way it impacts sometimes is it's like, oh, so I'm articulate because the assumption is that a whole lot of folks of color aren't, and so therefore we're surprised you are. Yes, you're like you're articulate for a black man. Yes. But he didn't say that. Right, right. It's kind of one of those dangling things. Right. And so people are like, well, what should I, you know, what should he have said? Well, that particular, um, that particular word directed to folks of color can be a charged word. So sometimes it, it, it might be, you know, he's very well spoken, you know, he's, you know, he's brilliant, he's yabbity yah. Um, but you don't necessarily know that that's the napkin. <laughs> Uh-huh. Until it goes kaboom. Uh-huh. And, uh, it went a little kaboom for him. And and to get back to what you were saying, the most common one, some of my best friends are, you know, what what is also sort of annoying about that um, is that it's like the person is, is who says that is saying, you know, even though you're not quite up to my level um, or there's something sort of wrong with you or, or you know, I, I, it's big of me to have, um, I, I actually, you know, condescend to associate with other people like you. That's perfect. That's perfect. It is very condescending. Yes, it's like the, the queen dealing with an oaf. Right. <laughs> some, of my, some of my best friends are oafs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the um, one of Obama's, since we <laughs> talked about what someone did to him, let's talk about what he did um, when he talked about on the Jay Leno show, oh, a month or two or three ago, I, I lose track of time. Oh, <laughs> yes, I do lose month? track of time. There we have the, when we come back, we'll talk about Obama's talk and what he said in regard to uh, the Special Olympics. Boy, this this hour is going quickly. My guest is Dr. Mara Cullen, and she's entertaining us <laughs> with uh, with her stories about what well-intended people say um, that really do not promote diversity. 
So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america son we gotta talk about drinking i know I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I, I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Dr. Mara Cullen. She's the author of 35 Dumb Things Well-Intended People Say. And some of the ones that uh, that she mentions and, and um, talks about um, 
what the imp- what the intent is, what the impact is, and what your best bet is if um, to say instead, or or to say if after you <laughs> make the uh, gaff. Mm. Um, we talked about some of my best friends are, or I know exactly how you feel. I don't think of you as the same thing happens to me too. It was only a joke. Don't take things so seriously. What do your people think? And so on. I'm not going to give them all away. You're going to have to buy the book. But let's talk about Obama's gaff um, about the uh, Special Olympics. So there he is on Jay Leno, and he was talking about his bowling score. And he said um, he bowled a crummy 129 and said it was like the Special Olympics or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone had a collective cringe moment. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I watched it and I was like, ooh, ouch, that, that, that hurts. He's, he's going to hear about that one. Um, and it shows that... Um, He's, he's human, just like the rest of us. Um, and what was really important is what he did next. Because let's be honest here. All right, so George W. Bush, the former president, okay, if he made a gaffe like that, it wouldn't even be a blip on the radar. <laughs> you know, because he's made so many huge gaffes that this, like, the press would have given given him a free ride, it's like, oh, we can't do everything. Right. But Obama, when he did that, it was like, uh, you know, it just came out. But So that wasn't so good. The good thing was as soon as he um, got on Air Force One, he immediately called Tim Shriver from the Special Olympics and apologized and um, made sure that um, to bring some of the Special, special Olympians to... Um, to the White House. Now, you knew at some point he would have done that. But bringing him a little earlier, probably mm. a good idea. And the huge thing is he accepted responsibility for what he did. And that's what makes all the difference. For us to say, you know what, I screwed up. You know, I'm really sorry. Okay. That tends to stop things before they get much bigger. Yes, that's true. But, you know, um, we do expect a lot more from him, especially because um, because of the diversity that got him in the White House. Um, but I, I must say that it is a little worrying trend. You know, I, I just want, because now that he said this comment about uh, to, to make the excuse for why he wasn't getting a rescue dog and, and said something about, you know, like, um, oh, something like that he, of course, he likes rescue dogs because they're a mutt, they're mutts like him. Um, you know, these are, both of these statements were self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, you know, does he feel that he can get away with this because he's talking he, about himself when he's using, you know, when he's putting himself down and, and, and saying these things, but, or does it reflect what he really thinks underneath and, and that there is this, um, uh, you know, that he needs your course. You know what I mean? You know, does he need some diversity lessons? <laughs> Um, well, I'd, I'd be happy to come to the Oval Office. <laughs> but I, I think that's part of who he is, is using self-deprecating humor. And actually, George W. did that quite a bit as well. And I think in many parts, um, and I do it quite a bit, it, it, it's, it's something that makes us all more human. Yes, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with, 
you know, being self-deprecating in itself, but when it it includes something that will put down another class, you know, um, of people. I mean, this isn't just about mutts that are dogs, but, you know, a lot of people who are of mixed race. Absolutely, because, you know, it went beyond that whole mutt reference of, you know, him being a mutt, and because he's biracial, you know, back in the day, what he did unknowingly is um, is do a disservice to all folks who are biracial. Um, you know, and that, and that wasn't his intent. However, it um, it didn't bode well. You know, and and more and more of these race stuff's coming up, not only coming out of his mouth, but directed towards him as well. Everything from, I mean, gosh, the cartoons of political satirists mm-hmm. are over the top with, with watermelon yes. references and um, the, the dead chimp that I think the New Yorker, or New York, oh, I'm not going to say it because I'll get it wrong, but I think it was the New York Times, um, had, and, and now recently this week, um, Arizona State University um, and Notre Dame saying, after they invited him to come to campus, saying, never mind. Uh, Arizona State, at least, they invited him to be commencement speaker, which he accepted, but won't confer the honorary degree on him, which is pretty standard. And the reason they said was because um, his experience, his legacy, is, is um, his work, his body of work is yet to be determined. Well, that's ludicrous. This guy, okay, he was a senator. He was a community activist. He is a best-selling author. He um, was the president of the Harvard um, Law Review. Um, like, and he's president of the United States. Okay, but but why do you think um, they they asked him to? If it was racism, why do you think they asked him to come to speak in the first place? They didn't have to do that. I don't know if it's so much racism, Carol, as I think people are measuring him with a different stick. Hmm. Um, but so that... I wouldn't. I would say that issues of race are definitely behind it, um, and that um, you know Notre Dame has had other people who are pro-life come. Spe- I mean, pro-choice come speak at their university. Why is it different now? Um, so it's. For me, it's just I need to pay attention. Um, even about I heard on the news about how often he's referred to as President Obama versus just Obama or Barack Obama hmm. is increasingly um, is um, more Obama than President Obama. Yes, the uh-huh. president um, label is has been uh, used less frequently than, than others. But. I want, well, I want, really, like, compared to Bush. I mean, certainly lots of times they would just say Bush. Oh, my. Before we get, before, <laughs> we could be talking about this for hours more. <laughs> but um, I want to make sure that people know where to get your book, 35 Dumb Things Well-Intended People Say, Surprising Things We Say That Widen the Diversity Gap. Yes? You can get it online at any major, um, you know, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or you're welcome to come to my site, which is, TheDiversitySpeaker.com 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 And I've been there, and um, there's lots of interesting stuff on her website. Um, 
more uh, more ideas of, of um, what you can do to uh, when these things happen. You know how you can react. Of course, that's also in her book and uh, and places that she'll be speaking. And of course, you can order the book from the site. And I do recommend this book because um, because again. <laughs> it makes uh, diversity entertaining as well as uh, rather than something, you know, somebody lecturing you on what you should and shouldn't say. Because, yes, we all do wind up saying these things and, get, and getting those looks from other people. Even when it's things, you know, we didn't really mean to hurt anybody. We thought we were trying to make a bond and, and those looks tell us, uh-oh. <laughs> so thank you, Dr. Mara Cullen. Thank you very much. I wish you success with your book. And uh, and thank you for shedding some light on uh, on what we do and what how we, how we hurt other people's feet, how we step on other people's feet without meaning to. Pleasure was all mine, Carol. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.